Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 90 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Tomas Tatar edition, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the Tomas Tatar to my Joe Juno, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing on this fine day, Rick? I'm doing great. And um, like we were both saying, I think we're both really excited for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, maybe all the energy that uh, we had from the this discussion after the draft lottery last night, but there's actually plenty of us, plenty for us to talk about today. Oh, is there ever? And I mean, we've got we've heard from Carey Price this week, which is always a pleasure to hear from Carey Price here from the franchise goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we have some news about Yasperi Kotkaniemi that we didn't think we would have, which is, is always it's nice to hear about uh, his progression with that spleen injury. And we're going to get to that in just a few moments. Uh, of course, as you said, the draft lottery last night, we're going to be talking <laughs> about that in our big topic That's segment our big number topic. two. Yeah. Is it ever? And for good reason, because an event transpired last night that I don't think many people envisioned happening, and it set the hockey world on fire in moments. And it is, it's not, it's not since cooled. Like, this is very much an <laughs> ongoing story, and we want to talk about it because it, it concerns the Montreal Canadiens as well. So we're going to get to that in segment number two. Uh, but Rick... Um, before we go any further, I, I just want to, yeah, I, I just want to celebrate episode ninety. It's yeah. um, it's a big deal, and uh, for us to get to episode ninety, and we're, we've got some changes coming up uh, that we'll talk about in the third segment. Um, but you mentioned Thomas Tatar, and uh, should be a big part of the qualifying round. And you also mentioned Joey Joey Juno um, that. Um, maybe uh, some Canadians fans have forgotten about, but um, he's an, just such an interesting character. Um, you know, he goes back to, he was drafted by the Bruins back in 88 and um, a fourth round pick. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and by the time he got to the Canadians, he had, um, you know, he wasn't quite the same player, but his rookie season, his rookie season with the Boston Bruins, 32 goals, 70 assists for 102 points. Uh, remarkable uh, rookie season. Now, mind you, he was playing with none other than Adam Oates and Cam Neely, which is not, yeah. not a bad trio. Not bad company. Uh, but that came after um, a pretty successful NCAA career at RPI. And, and um, he, he's just, he, he, he played with the Bruins and the Capitals and the Sabres and the Coyotes. And, and he had a, a pretty uh, storied career, 800-some-odd uh, uh, NHL games. But just an odd character. Always thought of and described as kind of a moody player. Um, and... Um, because he was kind of always on his own and doing his own thing. And, and even when he was at RPI, he was very studious. He got a three-year engineering degree while he was there. Um, 
Patrice Brisebot, uh, there was a quote that described uh, Joey Juno. He said, I'm not saying Joey is weird, uh, but he always liked doing things that were different. Um, so when, when, uh, and, and there was a story that I heard about Joey Juno, and, and um, I just wanted to relate it. It's kind of that, you know, where are they now kind of segment I used to do on from yeah. the press box. And um, after he retired with the Canadians, uh, it was the 2001 to 2004. He had three seasons of 70 games, uh, 36 points, 22 points, 15 points. As I said, he just wasn't the same guy. Uh, and he retired after, after that. And um, he went up to uh, northern Quebec. He lived in Quebec City. He flew up to northern Quebec in Nunavik uh, to go on a, a caribou hunting, hunting trip. Um, and he came to the community of Kujujak. And let me say that again. Kujuak, Kujuak, um, way up in, in, in Nunavik in northern Quebec. And, and uh, he came upon this community in his caribou. And, and it was a fascinating community. They had a nice arena. They had uh, lots of money for their, their uh, uh, community programming. And, but nobody was playing. Nobody was playing hockey. And he f- was, felt so inspired and compelled that he moved from Quebec City after a pretty successful career in in uh, the NHL to this tiny um, um, uh, Inuit community of 2,000 people to run their their hockey program. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 and uh, was there for 11 years um, and uh, r- really developed this this program. It, it was uh, it became a, a two point five million dollar funded program uh, involving one hundred and eighty kids in the community and and getting them to play hockey and and getting them uh, activity and and uh, and and into their studies and um, of course as I said he was he's a very studious kind of guy too and yeah. and he's a drummer so he shared a bit of that and and he took his wife. Uh, Elsa and their two daughters way way up north for eleven years and devoted the his his post NHL uh, life to uh, this tiny community and and uh, full credit to him for uh, doing something like that. I, uh, it's it's a story I wanted to relate because uh, I think you know we we don't hear uh, those kind of, enough no. of those kind of good news stories. That's, yeah, that's a remarkable story, and it sounds like Joe Juno is a very well-rounded person. To, to I mean, you mentioned he's a drummer. You mentioned, I mean, he's a little bit of a of a strange character in the room. Sounds like he was a, a goaltender amongst forwards, <laughs> with the with the reputation of some goalies as being a little bit on their own and and weird in some ways. But but listen, that's a remarkable story, and it's it's what we like to do here on the Canadians Connection podcast is uh, make some connections and form an and inform and engage as well so we can tick all those off the list with that uh, remarkable story here on episode 90 of the canadians connection podcast a very special story for episode 90 um so rick with uh with that said uh we also this week we had the hockey hall of fame that has announced their inductees that will be inducted later on this year in november uh, should all things uh, go according to plan uh, and that the list of inductees includes Marion Hosa, Jerome Ginla, Kevin Lowe, Kim St. Pierre, and Doug Wilson um, amongst uh, the players. And then you have Ken Holland going in as a builder. Um, so obviously, every time there's a Hockey Hall of Fame class that gets announced, 
the thing that everyone goes to right away is, okay, who got snubbed and who in that group maybe should be replaced by somebody who got snubbed. <laughs> so Rick, who did, who did you see in, in, in that class and who do you think uh, it was the biggest snub of, of this year's uh, Hall of Fame class? Well, I, I really didn't have uh, too much difficulty with the, with the top three of the group. Um, Ken Holland, uh, and, and I thought it was funny that Ken um, said he was totally shocked. Well, as a builder, uh, of course Ken Holland is going to, yeah. going to be in there, and, and particularly what he did with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Jerome Aginla, that was a fabulous choice, and, and his first year of eligibility, um, of course. And, and he was humble, and he was um, thrilled to, uh, for the induction. Marion Hosa, I think, absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame now. I mean, you can quibble about whether he should be in in his first year of eligibility. Maybe not. I, I don't know. Uh, but he was a key he was the key guy, not always the guy, but the key extra piece that teams added. As we know, he was in the Stanley Cup playoffs three consecutive years for three different teams. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he was the guy that you wanted on your team if you're going to make a long playoff run. Uh, so I had uh, no problem with that. Um, Doug Wilson and Kevin Lowe, those are iffy choices for me. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm not sure. As far as um, and and I, I don't know what 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 was your thought on that? Well, immediately the reaction on Twitter and, and specifically, I want to haul up a tweet from uh, from a guest that you had on the most recent episode of From the Press Box, Joe Yurden, uh, who said, uh, "No, Alexander McGilney again, huh? I guess a brilliant career in which you risk your life to defect from the Soviet Union to play in the NHL just doesn't count for much." <laughs> and I think that sums it up pretty perfectly and those were the thoughts of a lot of hockey fans who immediately after in the aftermath of this announcement were asking that question where is alexander mcgillney it's been years now that he's been eligible and uh it it's 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 really it's strange that he hasn't been put into the hockey hall of fame yet and and i, I know that there were others that were making a case for daniel alfredson and I'm a Daniel Alfredson guy. I love I love the locks, the golden locks of hair back in back in the day. I don't know if he's a guy that, that you know, there's still time for him yet to be inducted. But Alexander McGillney, my goodness, it's it's been so long that and and he hasn't been put in. And that's that's really it's it's curious, especially this, the history, the story of, of his career. Well, um 830 goal seasons for Alexander McGillney and that remarkable season, the 92-93 season, of course, the season is remarkable for Canadians fans because it ends with a, a Habs uh, yeah. Stanley Cup. But during the season, uh, both Alexander McGillney and Tamo Solani, 76 goals. Now, maybe you can say Solani's was uh, a bit more remarkable because he was a rookie at the time, but still 76 goals for, for McGillney there. And uh, I... You know, as Joe Yurden, uh, Joe Yurden knows what he's talking about. Um, uh, what else does he have to do? Um, Alfredson, for me, uh, I know a case can be made, and we're, I have an email that we'll read in the third uh, segment, uh, sa saying that uh, expressing disappointment that McGillney was or that Alfredson wasn't added. I, I, I just don't like Daniel Alfredson. I don't like him, <laughs> and that's as a Habs fan. It's, it has nothing to yeah. do with. I, I see him as 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 the 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 guy that, that was on the other side of the rules and, and maybe the Thomas Placanitz kind of stick work kind of guy. Um, yeah. and 
I, I, you know, uh, but I under, I would understand if he, if he was, uh, 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 brought up in, in later years, the three for me, um, McGillney for sure, um, uh, was snubbed. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing this up until my last breath. Paul Henderson deserves to be in the, um, uh, hockey hall of fame. And I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, he had a, he had a decent NHL career. He had a spectacular WHA career. And remember, it's the hockey hall of fame, not the NHL hall of fame. And for the 72 summit series, not only for the, the final game, but how he played, uh, and, and how he changed hockey with that goal for that reason alone, he should be in the hall of fame. And the other snub is just goalies in general. And I saw a tweet go by and I'm going to have to, uh, check this out, but, that said that in the past 40 years, there have been six goalies added, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, which, if that's true, um, is is ridiculous. But as I thought back, I don't remember a lot of goalies uh, being added. Um, There's far too few goalies uh, that are considered. And so, um, Lanny, um, get on those those three. For, For me, get on those three. Yeah, and I agree with the. I agree with all of that because, you know, it's 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 difficult because I know that, and and I've seen on Twitter over the last number of years the supporters for Kevin Lowe to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because he was viewed as being an integral part of those Edmonton Oilers teams, the dynasty years. But I mean, yeah, it's there. There are guys that have that have have really truly earned it with with their with their careers, and not to take anything away from Kevin Lowe, but I mean, just the it's it's the Hall of Fame, so it's it's it should be very difficult to be included in that group and that should be the 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 standard that you set that you need to be great on your own as a player to be inducted and i think that's 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 what it should be my brother always says it's not the pretty good hall of fame yeah exactly and and i think someone uh, i remember someone saying it uh it's it's about the uh, paul simons not the garfunkel (laughs) as a fan of art garfunkel i was a little bit offended by that but i I understand the sentiment (laughs) but moving on rick so as i said we have some news regarding yasperi katkiniemi and uh it was not too long ago that we thought that yasperi katkiniemi's spleen injury was not progressing very well that it might take months and you'd be looking at next season the start of next season whenever that would be as when you would next see Jesperi Kotkaniemi uh, playing for the Montreal Canadiens organization whether it be in uh, with Montreal or with Laval where he was uh, the last time that we saw him but uh, we actually have some pretty positive news out of an Arpen Basu uh, article in The Athletic that says that Jesperi Kotkaniemi is ready to join Habs training camp and not just coming to rehab the spleen injury He's coming ready to play, which that is going to add some more intrigue to the Canadians' training camp and this resumption of play uh, potentially. This is fabulous news. If if yeah. he's if he's ready, um, if and and we've seen the pictures of him playing tennis and he looks like he's bulked yeah. up a bit, looks in terrific shape. Um, and uh, Arpin seems to have a bit of an inside track with the the Kotkaniemi's and and uh, got this scoop that. Um, uh, um, Jesperi will be uh, ready to go. Um, and uh, also reported that uh, Kotkaniemi's agent, Marcus Leto, said that um, there was a, a charter flight being organized by some of the Finnish players that was going to fly into New York. Well, instead, uh, Kotkaniemi is going to fly uh, directly to Montreal next week. And, and so that's also good news. Um, remember, this whole thing is kind of, 
ah, there's such a mystery. And I don't, yeah. I don't understand. The Canadians didn't really um, even acknowledge the in, in, uh, the injury at first. Um, it was because uh, he was playing in Laval at the time. And then there was, there was like radio silence on what the injury was. And um, it was very odd. And we remember back to Mark Bergevin's very short um, uh, press conference that, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically when he was asked about it, uh, Mark Bergevin said, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I, you know, he's over in Finland. I'm here. I don't know. Well, there's telephones, Mark, and, and, um, and email and whatnot. Anyways, uh, so I don't, I don't know why the Canadians have been so, um, have clamped down on the news about him, but good on Arpin for, for uh, getting this. And for Canadians fans, huge news that he'll be available for the qualifying round. Absolutely. And, you know, in this article, Arvin Basu talks about, I mean, how Joel Bouchard had praise for Jesperi Kakiniemi at the time that he got injured. It was unfortunate timing because his game uh, seemed to be uh, up a level in terms of, I mean, the playmaking that you saw from Jesperi Kakiniemi, the assist numbers that he was putting up, uh, added in an empty netter. I mean, you're looking at a guy that was really looking like he had turned a corner and should have been back on the way to Montreal relatively soon. And, I mean, now with this resumption of play, if there's an opportunity that he can play this season, finish out this year, get into those qualifi- uh, qualification round games, if Claude Julien decides that's what he wants to do, which is another point that Arpambasu brings up, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's going to bring a level of intrigue to this, uh, and to these games, if they happen. Well, um, you know, and I understand that some Canadians fans have kind of soured on Jesperi Kakinemi and, um, you know, there's, I've seen on, on even our pages on, on Facebook, the All Habs Facebook yeah. page, um, uh, fans are saying, oh, he's, he's a bust and, and um, the Canadians should have chosen Brady Kachuk. But you have to remember how young he is and how he was thrust into the, uh, uh, the fire so so early and quickly and and uh i think it's fair to say that um you know at, at the time you and i were saying and we were kind of on an island uh we're saying you know we would like to see kakinami go back to finland for another year and everybody was no 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 he's ready and and uh, look he's playing well and and uh when when he started that that uh training camp and then it was only oh, it was a year or two later that that it was uh, Saku Koivu uh, supported us and said, "No, he should have went back to Finland." Now this week, uh, and and some people might have missed it, but it was Louis Jean who was doing a um, and Louis Jean, a friend of the show, has been on our show, uh, did an interview with Martin Lapointe, and um, and Marty Lapointe said, uh, and I'll read the quote: "In a perfect world, um, he that's Kakinemi would have played one more season in Finland." But we needed a center. Well, you needed a center. Why would you do that to, to your uh, to your f- uh, fr- future uh, first line center? Hopefully, future first line center. And and I think the reason is because the Canadians had uh, a really bad season the, the year before. They needed positive buzz in training camp. They needed good news to start the the uh, season and as we remember it was all all the reports were about Kakinyemi and that is that's wrong that's really wrong 
And and yeah, we uh, this we've touched this this season. Remember back to oh, the Canadians need a backup goaltender because Keith Kincaid has been playing well. Okay, well Charlie Lindgren's down there. You can call him up. He's got NHL experience. No, we're gonna go with Caden Primo because we need to distract from everything that's happening yeah. right now. So this is the this is the same story essentially. They could have went. This is the Montreal Canadiens we're talking about. Every off season, they sign some random depth guy, whether it's Nick Cousins. Or, or Alish Hemsky hoping that he'll play on a first line right wing. They've, they've done this in the past. They could have just done it again and just signed a random veteran and let Cut Kanyemi, a guy that they, I would assume they have high hopes for going forward into the future, give him an opportunity to develop. Um, and, and they went the opposite direction. Luckily, I mean, Jesperi Cut Kanyemi's rookie season, I think it, it, was, it was relatively successful. They probably shouldn't have sat him out those two games. Remember back to last season when they said that he looked tired. Mm. Well, Julian said he looked tired. Sat him out against San Jose and Winnipeg. I mean, you you could have you could have not done that. But other than that, relatively successful. And then this season is uh, you know uh, he I think more than anything he, he got scapegoated and couldn't really recover from that. But regardless, the fact that he's he's coming back is great news. news. Now, we're, while we're talking about um, uh, Marty Lapointe uh, and and his views on young players, uh, there was something else that caught my attention in the interview yeah. with Louis Jean, and he was asked about the the Max Pacioretty trade um, to the Vegas Golden Knights, and um, uh, Marty Lapointe said, in the trade, Vegas uh, or, or Mark Bergevin asked Vegas for uh, another player other than Nick Suzuki. Now, he didn't say who that was, but I think my guess it would be Cody Glass. So Mark Bergevin asked for Cody Glass. And let's remember that Mark Bergevin is credited in that trade for his insight. Um, And it was Vegas who countered um, Mark Bergevin's request with Nick Suzuki. Now, um, Marty Lapointe said, um, you know, um, Bergevin um, hadn't asked for him. Marty Lapointe said he wasn't a fan of Nick Suzuki. He didn't like the, his skating. So they went to Trevor Timmons and Trevor Timmons said, make the deal. So um, I, I thought that was an interesting insight into, yeah. again, uh, Bergevin credited for that trade, but yet it was uh, Trevor Timmons behind the scenes who, according to um, uh, Martin Lapointe, who uh, deserves uh, some credit for that for the way the deal uh, played out for the Canadians. Yeah, and I mean, we saw this last year when the Canadians released that uh, video of them at the draft, where Trevor Timmons in his in his zone, uh, making decisions with draft picks and prospects, and that's that's his strength. We know that to be his strength. Interesting that he's the one that says to make the deal and ultimately they make the deal. It, it's some really, it's, it's some insight into how decisions are being made with the Montreal Canadians. And, uh, and yeah, Nick Suzuki's a young player as well. So I guess it sort of falls into the category of scouting and, and, and all that, but still very interesting. Um, so Rick moving on, uh, this week, uh, Carey price won the Molson cup, for the 2019-2020 season. That is the ninth time that he's won that award. Uh, I think he's getting used to it, uh, (laughs) or at least he should be getting used to it at this point. And uh, because of that, we got to hear from Carey Price this week, which is always great. Always a pleasure to hear from the franchise goaltender. 
And uh, he expressed both his desire to get an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup, but also, within reason, voicing some concerns for health and safety in this uh, resumption of play. It's it's a uh, it's a little remarkable that he won the the uh, award to begin with because um, when RDS is picking the stars at home, it's like pulling teeth for Carey Price to get on the board. <laughs> um, so he had to make it up in other ways, and uh, good on him. Uh, as you said, ninth uh, ninth time. Um, I thought it was uh, interesting that uh, on the Canadians, the news out of this, there was a, a particular uh, line that that uh, I thought uh, made made news out of this uh, conference call, and um, it now try as I might, I can't find it in the Canadians. Uh, uh, official transcript of of how it came down, but yet it's been reported elsewhere. Um, so Kerry said, "I have to, th- I have, I think about an equal amount of optimism or pessimism." That's in talking about the return to play. It's yeah. a very unusual situation. I want the opportunity to be able to play for a Stanley Cup, but I want to be able to continue living life normally. Um, wow. Um, a lot of cases haven't panned out for people very well. I have friends, friends, family members who have passed away from COVID-19 and it's nothing to balk about. It's a very serious situation. I don't think everybody has all the answers. So that's why, why I feel that way. Now that is, um, that's, he, he's, he's, um, expressing some concern. He's expressing some doubt. He's expressing that, that uh, he doesn't have all the answers yet to make a decision. Um, the Canadians didn't include that in their um, yeah. re- their their summary of the um, of of the teleconference, and I thought that was a bit telling. Yeah, and I mean, you you can understand why Carey Price would be concerned about this, and and obviously, it's it's not even just going and playing, and potentially, I mean. You look at the opportunity that he himself could contract the virus, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, too, is you have the fact that he'd be leaving his family behind, which is something we've discussed on this show as being something that athletes are being asked to do. That It's, it's pretty difficult to ask them to do that. Uh, NBA player Avery Bradley, he pulled out of going to Florida because he has a son that, does, that has a history of not recovering well from respiratory illnesses. So it's, it's not just exclusive to hockey. But for Carey Price, you think he's got two young, two young children, a third on the way. His wife is pregnant. Angela's pregnant. So it's, it's asking quite a lot for him to go and, and not only risk his health, but also spend time away from, from his family and, and, and risk being away for, for whatever might come up back home. Because he said that Angela and, and the kids would be staying in Washington State. So it's, uh, man, you have to think about what you're asking these athletes to do. It was just this week that the CDC added pregnancy to the list of, of things that make you uh, have an increased risk for uh, the coronavirus. So you understand yeah. why. And and as you said, with, with Liv and Millie at home and, and Angela pregnant, um, that, that they're going to stay... Um, uh, they're going to stay in Kennewick, uh, as I understand, um, Kennewick, Washington, where Kerry is now uh, and has yeah. been preparing... Um, you know, he, he wants a chance to, to win the Stanley cup. I think he knows that it's going to be, well, he said, uh, beating the, the Pittsburgh Penguins to get to the playoffs is going to be an enormous challenge. 
um, that he's looking forward to that challenge. Um, And he said, as far as, as uh, why they, they have a shot. Well, uh, they're rested, they're healthy, uh, they're fresh. uh, And that they're a team that's shown that they can, they can get really hot and, and go on a run. So they would have to do that for three games against the Penguins. Yeah, and, and he said that he relishes the opportunity to be that difference maker. That remember the Larry Brooks article, the New York Post, and and remember the talk about Carey Price and in, in the the format and in the discussions about what the format would be. That that players brought up Carey Price as being an X factor that would make it make them want it to be a, a longer series, not a best of three, but a best of five, because beating Carey Price, uh, Carey Price can win can win two games on his own. He's done that before, so obviously, uh, but but yeah, he says that he's relishing that type of role as being an X factor in these games, and uh, certainly the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup for Carey Price. You know that that is something that that he wants to do so badly. Uh, and he said yeah. he, he it's a great opportunity if we get to play. And again, yeah. um, you know this 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 train seems to be all in one direction <laughs> from the NHL and fans and everything. But it's the players, every chance they get, they remind us that maybe uh, they'll be playing and that they haven't really agreed to anything just yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important to note, especially given, uh, you know, last week we were here to talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning shutting down their practice facility, Austin Matthews reportedly testing positive, all of these things. And that news hasn't really gone away. In fact, there have been more positive tests around the sporting world. We'll be getting to in just a few moments. Uh but Rick, where these players will be headed is the ultimate question. Should this resumption of play happen? We, we know that Vegas is one of those cities that will be hosting. We've been awaiting what the second one will be. And, and there's been talk that Canada is being looked at and they want the second one to be in Canada. This week, Vancouver was, was ruled out of uh, being a hub city. But Edmonton and Toronto are still being evaluated. Boy, it, it's, uh, this stuff changes so fast because yeah. last week we were all about, uh, we discussed on this show that uh, Vegas was, was in and that Vancouver looked, like, looked to be a lock uh, yeah. because they had managed the, in the province of British Columbia, they had managed uh, the situation pretty well. Um, and, uh, at that point we, we, I was hearing all kinds of things that the NHL was about to make, uh, an announcement at the end of the week, uh, that it would be Vegas and, and Vancouver. However, um, negotiations broke down between the NHL and the Vancouver health authorities. Uh, that was on Tuesday that things kind of fell apart and it was, uh, the chief medical officer for, uh, British Columbia. Her name is, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry. Um, she would not agree to the NHL demands uh, concerning when players tested positive. She wanted the option of saying, um, you know, if there's a positive test, uh, we'll do like we have done in this this province. There's going to be contact contact tracing. There's going to be um, all kinds of, of investigations. And that could lead to a suspension of a series that was, was in progress, depending on the number of players. Um, and the NHL wouldn't go for that. They didn't want to turn over that decision, uh, to, uh, the, the local health, uh, uh, officials. It was the federal government. We remember that, that removed the mandatory quarantine requirements and that paved the way for, for Canada, for the NHL in Canada. Cause it was looking for a time that, that Canada wasn't even under consideration. 
Yeah. Uh, so ne- then they were back in, and then it was the BC's top doctor that wouldn't compromise her pandemic program uh, to 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 meet the 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 play uh, requirements of of the NHL, and that's where it all fell apart. So where are we? We've got five teams, according officially to the NHL. We have we have five cities. Um, and they are Chicago and Los Angeles to begin with. And in my opinion, there's not a chance. There's not a chance. Uh, they're, they're there as backups, I guess. Um, then uh, Edmonton, um, I think they put in a pretty good bid. But the, the two front runners at this point are uh, Toronto and Las Vegas. And remember we said um, last week that with, with Vancouver um, and Vegas, that the East would be going to Vegas. Well, that's yeah. all been scrapped, and it looks like if it's Toronto-Vegas, the East will go to Toronto, the West will be in Vegas. Yeah, and, and that, that makes sense. Um, the inherent inva- advantages of playing in your home arena, I, I mean, I don't know. It's not like you're playing at the Joe Louis Arena back in 2010 <laughs> or 2009 where there's active boards. I don't know if you need to worry about that. But Toronto, for the record, I remember there's the game last year where William Nylander scored a goal on Carey Price where it just bounced so randomly mm-hmm. out in front of the net. But regardless, there isn't that type of advantage that you, you used to see back in the Joe Louis Arena. But regardless... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on this as we as we move on. But yeah, uh, down to Edmonton and Toronto in Canada. And um, there was, in addition to the hub cities, there was all kinds of uh, little pieces uh, also coming out. Um, of course, the NHL and the NHLPA are negotiating not only the return to play, but some kind of modified CBA or or at least a memo of understanding that would extend the CBA. We're told for up to six years. Uh, which which would be big progress, um, yeah. and the you know um, some of the stumbling points uh, are are around the the escrow and and if you you did the escrow by the numbers uh, and and we remember escrow escrow is that that uh, piece that that mechanism uh, that allows uh, the players and the the owners the franchises to share equally. The revenues, fifty percent each, uh, so that escrow is is a bit of a buffer to make sure that 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 happens by the end of the year. It was looking like that escrow was going to have to be thirty five percent, given the downturn in revenues f- uh, from the pan- pandemic. Uh, but they've agreed that that the uh, there will be a cap on escrow going forward for the next few years at twenty percent. There'll be a one time. 10% salary deferment on top of that to kind of uh, help the owners get through this. Uh, the the yeah. players are still going to get their money, but it's just going to be deferred. Uh, the other thing we're hearing is that the cap is likely to stay pretty stable at about 81.5 for the next uh, three years. Maybe in the third year might bump up to 82.5, but uh, the cap is probably, we, you know, there was all kinds of speculation whether the cap would drop, whether... Um, what would happen with it, but it looks like they're going to try to keep the cap stable. Um, so you can speculate who, who is advantaged by that, who is disadvantaged. Um, and the other part we heard, as I mentioned earlier, is that uh, European players are starting to charter uh, flights and, and, uh, and make their way to uh, North American cities. Um, so that's, uh, th- that's, that's, that's moving the, the ball forward. And, and uh, uh, it's, it, 
it's all going to happen. Is it going to happen? Are they going to be able to get that vote in? Because all players will be voting. All 700 players will be voting. Are they going to get that in before the 10th? Are training camps going to be moved back? Uh, we don't yet know, but um, they're, they're, they have been making progress. Yeah, and, and just to follow up on the NHL and NHLPA and the escrow and all of that, there were actually some comments from NHL players, uh, rather... Uh, inflammatory comments uh, from Artemi Panarin and Ryan Kessler about escrow and feeling that uh, they should end hashtag end escrow according to Ryan Kessler. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, and this is it's interesting because we've seen in other sports, MLB in particular, um, the the players go public with their with their their disagreements. And, and it's, it's not only disagreeing with, with the owners or the league, it's disagreeing with each other about how to, to move forward. And, and kind of for the first time, um, we, we saw that come out with, with uh, Panarin and, and Kessler. I, uh, I have two thoughts about that. First, I don't think they know what in the world they're talking about. I don't think they understand the, the economics of hockey. And the the escrow is there for them. It, the escrow is there because they demanded uh, to have fifty percent of the revenues. What I guess many of them didn't consider is that there could be a downturn. So that in in um, their push to get fifty percent of the revenues, um, they also have to take fifty percent of the losses. And you know, Panarin said something outrageous about. Uh, uh, the owners, they've, they've funded the owners and, and, uh, they've, they've, uh, bailed them out. It's, it's absolute nonsense. Um, and then Kessler piled in and, and I, I think that the real difficulty there is, uh, the whining about the fact that there was going to be this, this, uh, escrow, this 20% escrow off their, their salaries. It's, it's not like it's a reduction. They're going to get the money. It's just a, it's just a delay. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly even with the salary deferment and for players who are making millions of dollars and have made millions of dollars in, in their career, like Kessler to be whining, um, when their fans, uh, are, are really impacted financially by the pandemic. It's just, they're absolutely tone deaf. Uh, and that, that's really, really unfortunate. Yeah. And my issue is not so much that they're Listen, if they if they feel like they've been slighted, if they feel that this is a problem, by all means, months, if we're not in the middle of a pandemic, address it by by all means, go for it. But yeah, it shows a complete lack of perspective into what's actually been going on right now. And, and the financial, as you mentioned, the financial difficulties that this pandemic has caused for the people that watch these guys play. So to me, I mean, when it comes to labor disputes like this, I, I'm generally on the players side of things like I think back to Max Pacioretty in 2011 when Zdeno Chara ran him into the turnbuckle at, at the Bell Center and at that point he was on his entry-level deal so if that you know a few millimeters more as, as people have, have speculated and said that they potentially could have ended his career then he doesn't go on and, and make the the millions of dollars that his peers have made as well so you know it, it's it's difficult in that way but but yeah, it's not the time nor the place to be bickering and, and squabbling about this. It's just it's just not. It just shows a lack of perspective. So it, it's, yeah, uh, not, a, not a fan of seeing things like that at this point in time when so many people have struggled, as you said, and have not had the luxury of making millions of dollars to uh, support themselves at this point. 
Um, but yes, Rick, so moving on because we, we, we want to get to the draft lottery in, in segment two, but <laughs> we had uh, some positive tests this week, unfortunately. I remember last week, as I said, Austin Matthews reportedly testing positive and the Tampa Bay Lightning shutting down their facility. Uh, amongst uh, other positive tests, remember 23 football players at the University of Clemson as well. And this week, uh, it sort of continued in that way. Uh, NBA uh, star center for the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, tested positive. Uh, Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings in the NBA also tested positive. Uh, Charlie Blackman, an outfielder for the uh, Colorado Rockies, tested positive. And you had the number one men's number one tennis player in the world, Novak Djokovic, who hosted some tournaments in Serbia and Croatia. He tested positive because he just showed a complete disregard for the virus in those tournaments. No social distancing or anything mm, were in effect. Dumb. And then he went out to a nightclub just just for just to pour it all just for salt of the wound, I guess. Yeah, went dumb. out for a nightclub. Yeah, not not his best moment. I remember, and, and people were saying about Rudy Gobert that he showed a complete uh, and he did. He absolutely did a complete disregard. But for Novak Djokovic to do that now. After we've been three months into this, boy, oh boy, uh, yeah, not not a good look for Novak. <laughs> no, not at all. That was bad. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that, the MLB, as I said last week, they were rounding the corner in terms of coming in agreement with the labor disputes that they were having, and it looks like that they've they've finally gotten to the point where they've made an agreement and they're going to be playing a sixty game season. Uh, of course, uh, if uh, if all of this the the pandemic that uh, they they join now the N, the NBA and the uh, NHL in in terms of just sort of waiting and seeing what what transpires because remember last week the MLB actually closed down all their training facilities so it will be interesting to see if we get to see uh, baseball in 2020 as well they do have the agreement so we wait to see what comes next uh, but Rick uh, with all that said. Say we'll wrap this thing up for the first segment, and uh, when we come back, we'll discuss the draft lottery, which very, very much uh, caught the attention of hockey fans in the uh, hockey world. (laughs) So we'll take a break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com 
Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. You can follow Rick on Twitter at AllHabs. You can follow at HabsConnection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So, Rick, uh, last night, what a night. Uh, (laughs) The NHL Draft Lottery, Phase 1 of the NHL Draft Lottery went last night. And uh, we found out some stuff, and we didn't find out other stuff, which we'll find <laughs> out later, because this is all very convoluted. And we remember back to when uh, when uh, Gary Bettman was explaining all of this, and he said that this part in particular was going to be confusing. And boy, oh boy, has it ever been confusing. Um, so a mystery team, a mystery team, has landed the first overall pick in phase one of the draft lottery. Um, and... That set Twitter a little bit on fire. Oh, did it ever. <laughs> uh, and I think it's important to, you know, what, what was this, if not for an, uh, pan, the pandemic, what was this supposed to be? Um, mm. And Friday night uh, would have been the first round of the 2020 NHL entry draft in Montreal. Mm. Um, and um, now for us, for Rocket Sports, for, for all of us, um, it we we the draft is and and I tell people all the time the draft is the most special experience in the NHL in hockey it's different it's different than anything else and and some people don't believe me until they get there and then experience yeah. it and um, we have been s- s- since two thousand nine uh, we have a contest and we bring fifty. Um, fans with it. Well, it's it's uh, our staff, as well as as uh, a, a huge number of of fans, and and we've partnered with the NHL since 2009, and uh, set up this experience to give fans a, a lower bowl at the draft, unlike any other experience they they've had. And in the hallways, you're running into all everybody from 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 hockey. Um, the first time we did that was 2009 in Montreal. So. Um, this, uh, this was going to be, this was going to be our return, you know, bringing everybody back, uh, yeah. to Montreal and it, it was going to be an amazing event. Um, and okay. The pandemic hit and, um, you know, the, 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 the draft is held after the season when everything is known, all the positions are known, all of the, the, uh, conditional kind of deals are worked out. Everything's known. Yeah. But um, there was the NHL draft that uh, got a got a huge amount of attention, and Gary Bettman said, "I want some of that. I want some of that." So, yeah. why was the draft lottery held last night? Um, why was it held out of sequence with with the NHL critical dates calendar? That was Gary Bettman. That Gary Bettman was yeah. adamant that he wanted to have the attention. 
to maximize the attention that it would give uh, to the NHL by sports fans and and the opportunity to win, to lure in uh, new fans. And I said when all of this kind of came up um, that the one of the reasons that the NFL was so successful is, you know, it wasn't all that different from, no. I mean, people people were in, in their, their, their basements, in their, in their, their war rooms, but otherwise all the, the, the rules concerning the draft, uh, were, were the same and it was pretty easy to follow when this formula came out, you and I talked about it. Um, Gary had trouble explaining it. Um, fans had trouble. And last night, um, you know, I had people in my timeline said, okay, so what does that mean? And these are hockey fans. These are hockey fans. You saw on the face of of uh, Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake's saying, uh, you could see on their face, like, what just happened? Um, so, you know, the, the rules of the draft lottery were, in, in order to have it bef- before the season ended, before the playoffs happened, uh, to do that, the, the rules of the draft lottery had to be turned completely inside out. Yeah. Making them incredibly complicated, um, incredibly complicated for, for hardcore hockey fans. Never mind the casual, uh, these casual onlookers that Bettman was trying to attract. Um, the process was, was, was unnecessarily convoluted so that these placeholders were added into the mix. Um, and then a second, uh, running of the, the lottery was, uh, uh, was, added to the, the process if necessary and, and now uh, is necessary. Both of those features were came into place on, on Friday. Um, so now we need a, a second night of the draft lottery at a yet-to-be-determined date. We don't know when that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> and, a place, and a placeholder team actually won the draft lottery. This is, this is madness. Is this madness? This is madness. And I think Dave Hodd put it pretty succinctly here on Twitter. He tweeted earlier today, the number one rule for any sports league, if the fans can't understand it, it's a bad idea. And I think that 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 hits the nail on the head right there because we could not make sense of it when we were discussing it, uh, discussing what we were discussing a lot of things when we discussed uh, this format for the NHL uh, draft lottery. We were also discussing the playoffs. There's a lot of information flying around and we didn't really... I don't even have to think at the time I completely understood what was happening when this was announced. And then last night happens. And as you said, as we've discussed, a mystery team gets the first overall pick in phase one of the of the draft lottery. Now, as you said, there will be a phase two that's going to be conducted between the qualifying round and the first round of the 2020 playoffs. And that's going to include all eight teams who do not advance from the qualifying round. And each team will have identical one in eight odds at getting the honor to pick Alexi Lafreniere, who is presumed to go number one overall. And yep. then, so if the NHL doesn't return to play, if this doesn't happen, as we've said, the NHL players haven't agreed. They haven't said it explicitly that they are going back to play. They just have the format. Then if they don't, then there are eight teams that will have equal 12.5% chances of winning the pick. The Canadians, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, the Wild, the Jets, the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Jackets. And that's based off of points percentage at the time that the season was paused. So Rick, yeah, this is this has opened up a whole other can of worms. <laughs> well, we're everybody's watching it and um you know 
they're filling the the half hour um, with with nonsense at the beginning, and you see uh, Alexi Lafreniere all mic'd up and ready to go because yeah. now he's going to find out where he's going, except he didn't. Um, <laughs> and and the Red Wings um, they fell oh. from one to four. Uh, after such a, a horrible season and and a season where they got 17 wins, 39 points, um, their their goal differential was ridiculous, um, and and they they fall from one to four. The the Senators uh, from two to five in their pick, and the other one uh, at three. Um, as I said, the Kings looked stunned. Uh, Rob Blake looked like he was uh, going to put his fist through the wall. Um, the the hockey community was was universally shocked i think yeah. um and the process was so chaotic that a number of the principals uh after it was over uh declined to be interviewed one of those was lafreniere um he, he was uh, set to go with Catherine tappan on on uh, the nhl network he declined donald fear executive director of the nhlpa declined uh, Brian Burke, who is usually a pretty, uh, I, I mean, he works for a rights holder, so he's pretty c- careful about what he says, and he worked for the NHL, so uh, he he's usually pretty positive. He said uh, this was a disgrace. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was, I, I mean, Pierre, Pierre Dorian, he tried to put his positive spin on as he does on yeah. everything. Uh, Steve Eiserman said, you know, just kind of in resignation. Um, to be honest, I'm not surprised. Uh, what, 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 you know, it, it does. It basically, Eisenman was saying, what use is it to complain about it now? Uh, yeah. The NHL had their system, and and we were we were we had to play along, kind of thing. Um, it 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 was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it, and and this is what I'm thinking though is that this is this could not actually have gone better. For the NHL, when you look at it, though, too, because the teams that are going to be a p- potentially playing in that qualification round, you look at some of the teams that are involved in that, and then they get eliminated. And so you have teams that thought that they didn't have a snowball's chance in hell at grabbing Alexi Lafreniere. Now they do. And so those fan bases are going to be overjoyed. But overall, this format and what it does and what it means, as you said, the NFL, when they did theirs, it wasn't that different. The NHL, this has been significantly different to the point where you could probably have Alexi Lafreniere play a version of the dating game and just go behind a divider and pick which team that that sounds the best to him. Because at this point, what what else are you going to do? It's just it seems like it's been such a such a gimmick. And it, it seemed like it almost invited that this specific scenario would happen and that you would have a team. Like let's let's say as I said I played the hypothetical game a couple of weeks back when we talked about the qualification round that the Montreal Canadiens beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's say they do, and then the Pittsburgh Penguins get to draft Alexi Lafreniere and dominate another decade. You know, like it's opened up this entire situation, and it seems like the NHL invited it to do that. Well, it was Gary Bettman saying uh, one of the reasons they he wanted to do this this early is uh, for those teams that were. Out of this this play on um, uh, um, uh, procedure yes. in the first place, he wanted to engage them. He wanted to energize them. Um, you take a look at the Red Wings fans uh, on Twitter. You take a look at the Sens fans. Regardless of what Dorian said, they're not happy. Um, no. Are they are they energized? I don't know. Not in a positive way. 
Um, and, and as you pointed out, I mean, there was chaos last night, but this could get worse. Um, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the qualifying round with, with teams that have been, you know, had this layoff, there's bound to be upsets. And, and if that upset, if that upset is, is a, a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, and uh, you know uh, what? What did what did they do in in the regular season? Oh, they finished with eighty six points, um, <laughs> and and the Detroit Red Wings finished with thirty nine. Yeah. Um, and if they get to pick ahead of Detroit, that that's not fair. That the league has lost the integrity of of the draft. And I think if that happens, there's going to be pressure on Bettman to resign because this would be a disaster, an absolute disaster. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it. I know that people look at the draft and and, and say that teams, specific teams, are tanking, and and you know, unfortunately, some of the teams are there year in year out. We see the Buffalo Sabers there an awful lot, and, and teams, and, and sometimes it gets frustrating, and and people want to implement different types of of uh, of ways to 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 incentivize not tanking, but for the team like Detroit coming off of 20 years of dominance, they're in the infancy of their rebuild. They, this could have been a huge night for them to really start in motion. This, this new wave, this energetic wave of young players for the Detroit Red Wings and Steve Eiserman, we know is great when it comes to drafting young talent and building in and, and, and building a team that way. And Pierre Dorian, as you said, yeah, he, it's his job to really sell hope, and and he tried saying that they had two top five picks, but but you know that they wanted to be in the top three, at least you know in the top two more than the, have that third pick. I mean, you wanted to be one or two, three and five is a little bit of you've you kind of lost there a little bit, especially when you looked at the fact that they could have had uh, two top uh, top three picks. But regardless, I mean. The thing that everyone is going to look at now is what this means for the teams in the qualification round that lose because that's where all this these eyes are going to go. And, and Montreal, being who they are, and the fact that Alexi Lafreniere, Quebec kid, is the first overall pick, the projected first overall pick, I mean, what does this mean for the Montreal Canadiens? And uh, what does this mean for every team? Does this, does, you want to incentivize not tanking, but for teams that feel like they don't have a shot, what is this going to do to the integrity of this qualification round? Well, um, uh, you know, Dave Stubbs um, has kind of, you know, it, it, it's time to move on, Dave. Um, and he tried, you, you know, you, you know the hockey cliches, you know all of the, we 110%. Well, Dave Stubbs tried a hockey cliche last night. And yeah. um, said, not one NHL player is interested in tanking. These guys have played to win since Pee Wee. They don't celebrate losing no matter its impact on a draft. What happens if the team loses this year or any year is for management. Playing to win is in every player's DNA. Uh, sorry, Dave. Um, I, I know players. Uh, and, and here's one. Uh, Robin Leonard tweeted, Training camp will be optional for a few teams, it seems, with the laughing emoji. Uh, yep. you know, why wouldn't, uh, of course it's crossing their minds for the Canadians who, even if they manage to, um, get past a, a miracle upon miracles to get past the Penguins, they're not, they're not built to go far in the playoffs. They're just not. Are they, do they have a chance of winning, 
the Stanley Cup this year? No. So why wouldn't players' minds wander to, oh, we have a, a, a chance, a 12.5% chance, one in eight chance of, of uh, getting the top pick overall. That's one in eight is better than our chance of, of winning the, yeah. the Stanley Cup. And so, of course, fans are going to think of, of, of that too. And what has the NHL done to fan bases when they're going to be cheering against their own team? There's going to be fans, a good portion of them, cheering again for the Canadians to lose against against the Penguins in the qualifying round. What is what have they done? Uh, that's yeah. not the way this is supposed to work. Yeah, this is a mess. And I know that some people are are saying, "Oh, well, it's a win-win situation. You beat the Penguins, you move on, and you get into the playoffs, and then you have a chance because once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen." Uh, which is the the famous line that we hear every single year when you you hope and pray that Carey Price can carry you to a Stanley Cup when you just don't have the horses. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 created this situation where, as you say, fans are going to be cheering against their own team. And even when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, the fact that Shea Weber he sort of rushed himself back to play this season when the Montreal Canadiens were really floundering without him. And then the fact that Carey Price is in a situation where, I mean, he may have felt pressure. He certainly probably felt pressure given that he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And, and I'm not questioning his integrity as an athlete that he would love nothing more than to win a Stanley Cup. But if you're looking at the pressure that might exist internally and externally before this happened, I don't think it's going to be anything similar to that i think that there will not be much pressure applied to carry price to play these mm-hmm. games if he doesn't want to or shea weber for that matter given the fact that he was coming back after off of playing in uh, you know an injury last season an injury this season i mean it, it's created these scenarios that you think about and and obviously you don't want to question the integrity of these athletes you know that they want to win absolutely but in this specific scenario where we did not envision this happening um, it's it's really made these questions uh, something to think about. You know, Eric Ingalls, and we know Eric um, is a good reporter, and uh, but he he's always uh, putting out the 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 information that the Canadians want put out there, and and he tried. He tried putting lipstick on a pig here and said, <laughs> basically said, uh, well, but did you hear all the buzz? Uh, and and kind of making the point that any any buzz um, when when the league hasn't been in in uh, session since Mar- March uh, that uh, it's it's good buzz. Well, well, no, not not <laughs> if you if you piss off your your hardcore fans and not when when um, you make it so that that um, new fans, uh, casual fans, uh, think this is all a joke and 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 not fair and and. I guess I just don't, you know, there'll be the argument that that uh, they'll get some, uh, the Canadians players will get some postseason play that, that they, if they beat the Penguins, that they'll get some playoff experience. But that, that kind of, those kind of marginal ads, um, uh, that, that, that pales in comparison to getting a franchise player uh, like Alexi Lafreniere. Absolutely. And, and yeah, it's certainly... As I said, with this current situation, the fact that there is a mystery team, a placeholder team that's landed the first overall pick, it begs these types of questions and then something certainly to think about if that resumption of play happens. And I think if you're the Montreal Canadiens, you almost 
and and I think for various reasons, uh, for sporting fans, you just root that none of these returns to play happen, just because you're asking athletes to do some things that maybe maybe aren't exactly fair. But if the if the return to play doesn't happen, as I said, then the Montreal Canadiens will get those uh, that 12.5 percent chance regardless. So I think you'd almost root for that to happen rather than to root against your own team in hopes of getting Alexi Lafreniere and the talent that he has. Um, but yeah, this is a ongoing story. We, as I said, this is the set fire on Twitter last night <laughs> and it hasn't since stopped. Well, my, I'll just, uh, my final point here is uh, bottom line for Canadians fans chance to pick first. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll pick ninth. Um, so, yeah. so start your mocks in, in that way. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Regardless, there'll be excitement about the NHL entry draft for the Montreal Canadiens. This is expected to be a pretty deep draft, and and especially in the top 10, there are some really nice pieces there. Um, But of course, now that a placeholder team has a shot at Alexi Lafreniere, that is where all the attention is going to go. So we will see how this all progresses going forward. Uh, But Rick, I think we'll take a quick break here on the Canadiens Connection podcast when we come back. We'll wrap this up with some emails and and an update on the bracket challenge as well. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 90 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. And Rick, uh, here in this third segment, uh, you've got an email that you talked about earlier, uh, someone defending the case of Daniel Alfredson for the Hall of Fame. 
I do. Um, and thanks for, for reaching out. You can uh, send us an email, info at allhabs.net. Um, you can send us a, a text. You, you know our text line, uh, the Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853ROCKET. Uh, or you can reach out on to us on Twitter uh, or the uh, All Habs uh, fan page on Facebook. Um, uh, this says, uh, hello, all, all Habs heard the news today. Really disappointing, shameful, actually. Um, and uh, I, Alfredson's a great player. During his peak years, uh, top 10 for sure, just like Aginla. I live in Ottawa, and being a Habs lifer, we know what great talent is. Skill, leadership, and work ethic were masterful of the highest order by Alfredson. I guess the NHL likes to have some players jump through the hoops before attesting to their just rewards. That's disgraceful in my opinion. Uh, Alfredson would be on my team before I could blink. Uh, take good care. And then adds at the bottom, do you think our general manager will be around much longer? Personally, I think it's time to turn the page on him. Um, uh, yeah. You got to get that in. That's the standard. You got to get that in. <laughs> That's um, the standard. And and as I said, I I don't I you know I can't argue with uh, a case that can be made for for Alfredson and and it seems that he understands that uh, that uh, maybe maybe uh, you don't put him in right away um, on his first yeah. year of eligibility. Yeah, and then there's there's time for Daniel Alfredson. I and I believe that Daniel Alfredson's a Hall of Famer, but uh, yeah, I think there there's still time for that. So. But uh, always great to hear from some listeners and then share their thoughts, especially with, with something like the Hall of Fame. There's there's always some personal attachment to some of these players, like you said, with Paul Henderson. And, and, and I completely agree with what you said about Paul Henderson. He should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we all we all have those those sentimental guys that we would really like to see in there as well as and, and when they have the career to back it up, that just makes it even more. But uh, yeah. One more email, and this is from our dear friend um, Dino Le Petit. Uh, Bill, um, he says, Hello, my eternal friends at All Habs. Uh, I'm currently at work, but want to pass on a little note. Can you help me? I don't understand what happened with the draft lottery this time. <laughs> I thought that only teams that are not part of the series were worthy to be included in the lottery. How is it that a club with a winning season could possibly win the first overall selection? Who are the rewards supposed to be for? The already strong or the ones that needs help? The one that needs help. Um, how could they? How could they conceive of such disappointment? It seems like a, a little gimmick to me, and it's incoherent to not only hockey people but the rest of uh, the people in the league. This is unthinkable. Hope you are well always, despite everything. Your friend Le Petit Bill. Yeah. And I think, listen, it's it's understandable that the frustration would exist because you have general managers that, and if this were any other season, they would know that it's the draft lottery and anything can happen and anyone can move up into the top three. And, and, and we're aware of that. But you look at just the thing that, that the fact that these would be teams that have been included in this 24 team uh, format and now they get an opportunity if they lose that. You know, it's just it's such a it has to be so frustrating for fans of these teams and the general managers, as you pointed out, with Iserman and, and Blake and, and, and Dorian trying to put the put the positive spin on it. It's just his job eternally to sell hope or try at the very least. But, yeah, it's uh, it's understandably frustrating for those franchises. Um, but, Rick, we have the 
bracket challenge that has continued. The first round of the bracket challenge ongoing for the defensemen. Um, and we had two matchups this week. We had Patrice Brisebois go up against uh, Nathan Beaulieu. And uh, Patrice Brisebois with 87% of the vote in that matchup. And uh, P.K. Subban against Hal Gill. I remember Hal Gill, the mentor of P.K. Subban early on in his career, or uh, attempted to mentor P.K. Subban, sort of guide him in whatever way that he could. And uh, P.K. Subban with the 76% of the vote. Isn't Look at that. Isn't that funny? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's fitting. So, uh, yeah, P.K. Subban currently in the lead on Hal Gill. And Brisebois uh, beat out... Uh, Nathan Beaulieu, and these will all get much more interesting as we go on. You'll have to make some tough decisions uh, with some of these defensemen, especially. I think they're, as I said before we started this, the defensemen are the deeper, uh, deeper division compared to the forwards. So it'll, it'll definitely have to, uh, it'll, it'll split some fans down the middle. I think. It, it will. And uh, again, I thank you for putting this together and, and uh, with our help of, of Mike and uh, you guys have done a, a great job. And, and as you said, it'll get uh, even more interesting as, as we go along. Absolutely, it will. Um, so, Rick, uh, before we <coughs> sign off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, would you like to just uh, announce that we will be changing in some form the way that you find our podcast here at Rocket Sports Radio? Well, we've been really busy uh, during the pandemic, busy uh, keeping you up to date, but also as we like to do in the off season, it was kind of the off season uh, to to improve our product, to improve our content, and um, this is a major project. It's actually a year in the making that's uh, that's coming to an end. And we hope to have it fully rolled out uh, by the time uh, play returns at the at the end of July. Um, I should just say that as far as podcast, I mean, you know, we've been around since uh, All Habs Hockey Magazine has been around since uh, the beginnings in 2007. It was uh, around 2010 uh, that Chris G, uh, a bit of a pioneer, got involved in yeah. in podcasts, and and we. Uh, I remember meeting Chris at Broussard and, and uh, he pitched uh, moving uh, his podcast at the time and uh, the fledgling uh, Habs 360 uh, to all Habs. And we made a deal and started in 2011. It was a great partnership. Um, and uh, we hosted over 250 episodes of Habs 360 uh, uh, with, uh, with Chris's uh, direction. Now, Chris still helps us out on, on this prod- podcast as a producer, but... Um, going back to uh, three years ago, we, we started to broaden uh, our, our um, offerings and uh, we introduced Rocket Sports Radio. And under that umbrella, we had a number of podcasts. Uh, you uh, jumped aboard the podcast uh, uh, as, as host and we rebranded uh, Habs360 as Canadians Connection. And you've done a tremendous job, and I've seen a lot of growth there. Um, and you know, there was there was other choices I could have made, but you're absolutely the right, the right choice. And and um, so that's grown from the press box, our our podcast on prospects and and uh, and uh, the AHL and and uh, uh, WH uh, the CHL and and the NCAA. Uh, that has grown leaps and bounds. So it was time for us to move away from uh, our our podca- podcast hosts. We've we've got new equipment. Uh, we've got uh, a new studio. We've got a new platform. 
Um, and you're going to, you're going to hear much better audio. You're going to hear greater there. You're going to see a greater distribution over the next few weeks. And we're, uh, all starting to, to roll this out. And, and, uh, as you said, uh, you know, we've, 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 uh, allowed you to, to subscribe under one umbrella rocket sports radio. Well, um, this particularly from the press box has grown so much and it's well beyond grown beyond the Montreal Canadiens community uh, that um, bundling it with the Canadiens connection is is not some uh, some of those hockey fans cup of tea. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna allow uh, uh, we're gonna give them their own feed. We're gonna allow people to uh, to uh, subscribe individual feeds. So we're gonna ask you to start looking for the Canadiens connection. Uh, when you want to subscribe, we're going to ask you to start looking for from the press box to subscribe, and um, and also we're going to ask you to to tell if you're enjoying us to tell your friends, rate us, um, and and start spreading the news because uh, both shows are are have experienced exponential growth and are about to take off, uh, so we'll ask you to do that. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is uh, we couldn't have done this without you. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. Thank you for. Uh, the the great numbers we've had uh, during the, the the pause, and uh, I think it's it's uh, a credit to you. It's a credit to people like Joe and Amy and Chris uh, and our great team. And uh, I'm just happy to be associated with with all of it. Well, thank you for those kind words, and it's well deserved for Amy and and Chris to be getting that praise as well. They've done a remarkable job. And from the press box, as I said earlier in the show, uh, the, your most recent episode with Joe, uh, Joe Yerden, where we, this was, that was the first episode with this new sort of, uh, uh way to record these podcasts was, it was such a, a fascinating lesson. So definitely go back and listen to that show. Uh, it's, it's well worth your time. Well worth the listen as always with Rick and Amy. And uh, yeah, it's certainly at, at allhabs.net, great content coming out and these podcasts included. Um, so we'll just be making the, uh, the change that Rocket Sports Radio will become two separate sort of things. You have the Canadians Connection, you have from the press box, and that's going to be fantastic. So Rick, we uh, sign off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Just thank you and and um, and and stick with us because as you see things happen very quickly in the hockey world and uh, we're gonna have uh, some great shows uh, we got a great show coming up on Tuesday from the press box and we'll be back here next week with a tremendous show uh, Joe and I will be for the Canadians connection absolutely and we can't wait to be back here discussing all things Montreal Canadians all things NHL and and this resumption of play that continues and and continues to amaze everyone and on varying different levels so we'll be back next week to discuss all that at 1 p.m 1 p.m eastern 2 30 newfoundland time so thank you for tuning in to the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio and we'll be back next week to inform engage and entertain a little bit more thank you for tuning into the canadians connection podcast for the latest news on the montreal canadians follow us on twitter at Habs connection and visit allhabs.net